This episode of The Fearless Storyteller is brought to you by... Well, this could be sponsored by you. Visit patreon.com forward slash Ethan Freckleton to find the membership option that works for you. Hello, and welcome to the Fearless Storyteller Podcast. I'm your host, Ethan Freckleton. Have you ever noticed how fear stops us from creating and sharing our best work? Join the Fearless Storyteller as we explore the heart and soul of writing stories, songs, and scripts that sell with the people who write them. Each guest has their own unique hero's journey and insights into the intersections between limiting beliefs and success. What's my story? In 2007, I was divorced, in debt, stuck in a soul-sucking job, desperate to have a meaningful, fulfilling life, but not sure where to begin. I made a simple choice at the time, to start honoring my yes and to start speaking my no. Consequences be damned. After all, how could my life possibly get any worse? I began the long path of becoming a professional songwriter finding my fearless voice along the way. Now, I'm living my dream life as a husband, father, and professional storyteller. College is where Linda Way Subtle first fell in love with words. She felt other for much of her upbringing, despite being the daughter of two high-profile, high-impact parents. Her father was an author, and her mother created South Africa's first TV talk show. It was stories that provided the vital elixir. As Lindaway says, quote, stories attached to your soul, you see yourself, unquote. After a successful career in fashion, she followed her muse and became an award-winning songwriter. Wanting to get deeper into story and character, she then turned her hand to screenwriting. Named by ISA as one of the top 25 screenwriters to watch in 2020, her plans have been put on pause by COVID-19. And this downtime has helped her to get even more clarity about the types of stories she wants to tell. She wants to do no less than help create an influx of healing for the people of South Africa, and perhaps everywhere else. You married a musician? Yeah. Oh. God, my parents would have died 30 years ago if I would, if they would have known that now. But he's a wonderful guy. <laughs> He's actually been, he was, he started out as my mentor in, in singing and he really kind of became uh, a mentor in life's values, um, art. Mm-hmm. And I think meeting him has been a huge reason why I think my art has gotten a lot more honest. Wow. Yeah. Is that, is that because like you maybe have a mirror or somebody to work with that you can really trust to do that deep work or... Like, yeah, I mean, he tries to because he wants me to create my own art and he keeps saying to me, don't ask me your, my opinion, just, you know, just ask yourself, you know, mm-hmm. are you happy with putting it out there? Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously having someone that's making music and writing, you know, compelling songs in the other room is a big motivation and inspiration in my own stuff. 
But yeah, he's tried to, I can't, my first short film that I wrote um, that won the Holly Shorts Screenplay Award for uh, Best Screenplay last year, I tried to have him read it and he was like, nope, I'm not reading it. Nope, nope. And I said, but I want to enter into the company. Nope, I'm not reading it. It's yours. It's yours. Because then if I get, he started out as an actor. So he said, if I get into it, no, I'm going to, you know, no, it's your project. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's that's really cool. Uh, it's probably, I imagine, it's nice to have that creative energy always going at home. Yeah, it was something that um, I didn't start out with because my parents, um, my, my mom is South African, my dad is American. Uh, they both started kind of in corporate. Later, broke free, but like you know, in the late '90s, broke free and to do their own thing. But growing up, for me, it was like for me and my sister. They said, "Get a good job." go get your MBA, <laughs> go to school, and then you work your way up. You know, that whole typical yuppie yeah. mentality. And did you? And, gosh, I did. I got my MBA. What a horrible, horrible <laughs> waste of time. <laughs> no, actually, you know, they say everything's for a reason. Um, September 11th happened. I was working in the fashion industry, kind mm-hmm. of like in my job, but you know, it wasn't like really fulfilling. Mm-hmm. Obviously that experience, because I was living in Battery Park at the time, kind of changed my entire viewpoint on life. Mm-hmm. But then I went back to Atlanta and while I was trying to decide where my, you know, where my new path was going to be, my parents were like, why don't you get your MBA while you're thinking? And I was like, great idea, dumb idea in the end. But there was one class from this hippie teacher who went to go study um, Ivy League schools at the time, which was quite a, I mean, for a southern town, you know, mm. I grew up in, a, in Georgia, and for this, you know, professor to go say, I'm going to come up with a class called Entrepreneurship, Creativity, and Innovation mm-hmm. in, in a business school, it took, you know, a lot of, a lot of guts to do that. But that class changed my life. The first day we sat down, she said, I don't care where you are in your life, I want you to write down your life dream. And at the time, there was a lot of movies coming into, um, coming into Atlanta. And I said, okay, I want to be a costumer. Got on the Paramount Pictures film, went from PA to Beyonce's costumer in two weeks. And that was my first time where I really fell in love with, with storytelling, I must say. Hmm. Well, that's, that's really cool. It's like you, you went to school and you had somebody encourage you to think about that. And then you did it and the opportunity happened to be there. I know film really blew up in Georgia, um, which is fabulous. So what early on being a customer and a PA, like obviously you got hooked. What was it that drew you about storytelling or what did you notice at the time? For me, I mean, I, I always wrote journals and, and kind of, you know, wrote about being bullied and trying to fit in because I went to predominantly white school and there was just so many things where I didn't feel I didn't feel heard, you know, and there wasn't much on TV that kind of, you know, I saw myself or films that were being made. And when I worked in the film industry, I just met people from all walks of life, people that would never normally, you know, go out for a beer together Mm -hmm. and seeing them as little pieces of this puzzle to put this whole story together and how each person's job was just as important as the next. Mm tell the story was just kind of like, I want to be a part of this. This is like a magical family, you know, this everybody working together to get someone's story heard. I think that was just changing for me. 
Yeah, I, I love that. And so you enjoyed the collaborative aspect yeah, of, of all that. And do you still enjoy the collaborative aspects of, of, of creating? And Yeah, I do. You know, I, I, after I worked for a little bit in Atlanta, I decided that I wanted another change and I went to go live in Cape Town, South Africa and somehow popped back into the fashion industry because it was a very, the film industry there was very small and it was very guarded. So if you worked as a costumer on a film, the very few films that came to Cape Town, I mean, things have, have changed now, but you weren't really, you weren't given access. You had to work your 20 years to get up into, into the, uh, into the team to even be hired. So yeah. I went back into fashion and that again, wasn't fulfilling. And then I said, you know what, I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to be a singer songwriter. <laughs> so I did. And I started this career with absolutely no idea what I was going to do. And yeah, I started telling stories, I guess, through these little songs that I, um, would come up with. And then years and years later, um, about four years ago, I took a, cause I wanted to tell more stories. I just said like, mm. this is not enough. I want to, you know, really get into characters and, you know, explore themes a lot more than just a three minute song. Right. Right. And I took a boutique writing class, uh, there. And that was kind of my introduction into screenwriting. Hmm. My formal introduction, I should say, yeah. Because, I mean, I guess all the writing that you're doing before has kind of prepared you for, for now. Well, you know, one of the upsides of, like, starting with songwriting is it's, like, a small chunk, right? Like, you don't have to write a lot of words, and you can be done in a day or two. And if it wasn't good, it doesn't matter, right? Like, not this drawn-out process to create something. And, like... First of all, what drew you to songwriting? And, and then, like, how does that connect to storytelling? So, for me, I think, I never realized how much music was a part of me, like, just growing up, until I got to university. Went to a really southern university. It was a Baptist university. I got a tennis scholarship to go there, I don't know how the heck I ended up there. <laughs> and I, it was just so crazy. <laughs> um, one, sorry, one second. Someone's buzzing my, my door. Don't worry, I'll just pause it for a second. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so how did I fall in love with screenwriting? Well, I was, yeah, I was, well, first I was asking about, like, what drew you to the songwriting, and you were mentioning going to... Uh, a Southern yeah. Baptist school on a tennis scholarship. And... Yeah. So being at that university, I really felt like an other, I just felt like, an, mm. I just felt strange and I didn't realize it cause I was just so busy trying to fit in, but I started listening a lot to music, to female um, songwriters. And I started um, listening to people like Tori Amos and Bjork and really getting into like lyrics and PJ Harvey mm. and I just fell in love with words. I mean, I wasn't reading so much, but I was listening to a lot of music and really dissecting songs. And for me, it felt like just, you know how music, I don't know how it is with today's generation, but for me, there are some songs that just are such a part of me and have shaped my way of thinking, being mm -hmm. that, yeah, that's for me what music has done and kind of why I fell so much in love with words. Yeah. 
And so they became connected to your emotional experience. Did you feel less isolated when you started digging into that? I felt what most stories do, whether they're three minutes or, you know, a feature film or whatever, a novel, is, you know, it really, stories just attach to your soul, you know? Mm. They, they, there's a part of, of stories that just say, oh, yeah, there I am. You know, you see yourself. And, mm. yeah, that's, for me, what I love about, about stories. It's, I feel like, yeah there, there's me. Or if not, there's that other person and ah, that's how they felt and, and thought and, and acted when some, when this happened to them, you know, it's, it's, we, yeah. it's about learning. It's really about learning about each other. And I find that really fascinating that we can do that with stories and telling different stories. Yeah. And so then you moved into screen, exploring screenwriting and like you wanted to tell more complicated stories and get into character. Um, yeah, yeah, it, it yeah. was a very quite interesting journey because when I um, took this class four years ago, the, I had already an idea. I was like, I want to do a TV show about sisters because I'm a sister. And I said, I want to write, you know, something that pretty much talks about this relationship of my sister was my best is my best friend now, but growing up, she was the most annoying person, you know, and that whole love hate relationship. So I knew exactly like when I was taking that course, I said, this is what I'm writing, you know, no, no, no doubt about it. And I started writing it. I said it, it's called that sister thing. And it's about two sisters, two polar opposite sisters from South Africa. And one moves to Austin, Texas and gets totally Americanized. And then the other one comes years later and it just is talking about assimilation first, integration, sisterhood, um, you know, the celebration of being unique. And I worked on that for like a couple years just because I was really developing it. I said it in New York and then I was like, ah, there's so many stories coming out of New York and I moved it to Austin, Texas. Mm. And I just kind of got stagnant in life, went back into music, back and forth. And I, um, there was a screenwriter that was in the class with me, Dale Winton. And I said to him, you know what? You want to work on this with me? Two years mm. later, uh, we've been working on it set in Austin. And just today, this morning, we got an email about a development deal. No kidding. Yeah. Well, but congratulations. It, yeah, it's exciting. You, but it, was, it was taking um, that step of just maybe, for me in the beginning, it was like, oh, God, can someone just kind of help me clear my thoughts and work on this with me? Yeah. And that was a huge help. And just, yeah, kind of working in a partnership and, and, and working to tell the story together. But then that became a crutch for me. And I was like, oh, maybe I can't tell stories by myself. Mm. And... Um, and I said, I'm going to write a short film. And the short film that I wrote was called Desmond's Not Here Anymore. And it was about uh, sexual abuse that happened to me in the past. Mm. And it was so funny that stepping out from that comfort of working with, you know, a co-writer and actually just doing it myself. And as everyone says, just get it on the page was so freeing because it was like, I felt like it was the most honest that I've ever been in my work. Mm. And then to not that awards really, to be honest, awards, uh, you know, awards are just pats on backs. Um, but it was kind of like, wow, you know, look, people are seeing that your honesty and, and appreciating it, you know, keep going, yeah. keep going with your honesty and your writing. Yeah. 
that 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 has to be validating to get that and was it scary like putting putting those words and thoughts down and you know yeah, committing absolutely. to yeah tell me absolutely. about that so the the first time that i i'd had the idea and i said i imagine there's so many women out there or even men who have um been a victim of sexual abuse and they hold the secret for so long and how must that feel hmm. and then finally kind of being ready to tell somebody but it just feels like it's too late or no one's listening so then i just i decided to um make this mother-daughter relationship about um a daughter in her 40s who's taking care of her elderly mother who has dementia and the mother keeps asking, where's Desmond? Where's Desmond? Desmond was the person that abused her. And now this daughter, of course, has kept the secret. And they've wanted to talk about it. But now when she's ready, she can't. So it just talks about, mm. you know, actually their interaction during the day and how just the name of Desmond and her, she's packing up um, the room where she was actually abused as a child in because she's moving her mother into her home. Yeah. So it's the, that experience of... Oh, I'm ready to talk now about it, but having this mother who's not really, you know, she's not there anymore mentally to really sit down and, and have this conversation. So right. it took me literally a year to write that because I just felt like, to be honest, Ethan, I felt like I wasn't brave enough. Hmm. Plain and simple. I just was like, nah, no, I'm not brave enough to tell a story. But then I watched um, Leaving Neverland with that Michael Jackson documentary. Was it Leaving yeah. Neverland? Yeah. And I, as soon as I finished that, I went down, opened my computer and finished the story like immediately. Hmm. I just, there was something in there that just unlocked. Yeah. Something for me to finish it. Yeah. And was it just seeing that somebody else had gone, gone um, to that level or had the shared experience or? It was specifically, I think what the mother had said of like, I wish, like if I would have just known if I just yeah. would have known, I was like, you know what? Just, yeah, it's time for me to get my story out and let it be known. Well, that's that's a testament to the power of story right there and the impact it had on you, right? Yeah. And, and have you have you been able to see what impact, like, your, your film had on others? Well, we are actually, we were supposed to shoot it, Ethan, in um, June in Seattle. But yeah. because of COVID, everything is on hold. So Oh, right. It's still in, <laughs> right. So you won the contest with that last year and it's on hold. Yeah. Yeah. How does that how does that feel like having things go on hold? Um, I was a bit anxious, I must say, just with the way the world is right now. And you know, I had so many plans. Um it's, we um I was one of the top 25 screenwriters um, voted by the International Screenwriting Association. So mm. it was like top 25 writers to watch in 2020. And mm. I was like, oh no, crap. That means I got to start writing some stuff, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting held accountable to this, you know? And I had so many plans of like things that I wanted to shoot and do. And it's, yeah, I think everyone has just been literally put on pause. Mm. And I think, yeah, right now I'm, I'm writing, I'm writing a feature, but with this development deal that went, well, that's on the table, I have uh, three other ideas that I'm, that I'm working on too, an animation, um, a story about my mother and yeah, and then another one. Mm. So 
as we're because this is, resonates for me right and for the audience as well i'm sure as uh, aspiring and mid-career storytellers that are listening and like how does this life on pause impact your creativity right now are you able to keep moving forward or you know how are you coping no i was stuck in the mud like the COVID thing was a lot we were in cape town south africa and stuck there was a proper lockdown and like i said i had all these books and all these plans and i just couldn't write i was stagnant and i didn't know what to write you know what to focus on first i felt like i was running in a circle and i just literally feel we were 90 days in quarantine about we did not leave the house for like 90 days yeah and i it was a wonderful pause to kind of reassess what type of stories i was going to tell Oh. from that point on. And for me, 100%, I know it sounds depressing, but I know my stories have to deal with, the ones that I'm writing right now have to deal with trauma. Mm. Um, and yeah, assessing it in different ways and, and doing it in fun, healing ways, like making a horror film about trauma, you know? Mm. But, <laughs> but, really, but really kind of exploring it because because of the both sides where I come from South Africa and a chunk of my life and where I felt like I became a woman because I kind of understood what I wanted to do with my life. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think there's a huge femicide happening right now in South Africa mm. and a big healing that needs to happen through all medians in school, you know, in sports, in stories that these kids are reading on TV everything there needs to be an influx of healing through this trauma because this is like been like generations of oppression mm. and it's and it's it's time that we have to break the cycle and we break that cycle through all of these different medians we cannot wait for you know politicians to to make a change it's really up to i think us as artists to find ways to infiltrate the system to make that change in these people and do what art used to be, you know? Think about the 60s. Yeah. Songs meant something, you know? Like, I think people are, are, are we're, we're pushing, pushing back, you know? Artists are saying, you know what? We're going to be the change. We're going to yeah. make some change. Yeah. And so you, <laughs> that's a powerful purpose, right? For, for creating your art. And, and is that something that you only got clear about after the quarantine as far as what you were going to no, do? No, actually, to be honest, I'm a Cancerian. So I, yeah, we, they, they call us the number one feelers. That's all we do is like feel emotion, sometimes too much. So mm. I think everything that I have done in my life always has had some type of social aspect to it. Mm. But right now I think more than ever I'm focusing on trauma and healing through through art through some, through storytelling. Yeah. That's beautiful. And I kind of like I kind of want to explore like the backdrop of this for you, right? Cuz you have some unique perspectives it sounds like just based on who you are and family, right? And lineage and would you be willing to talk about your parents and like that journey? Yeah, sure. Um, so my father comes from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. He's one of 11 
uh, one of the first to graduate from college. He right now is a leadership trainer. He's Dr. Earl Suttle. He does some really great leadership training and motivational speaker and speaking. He's written many books on leadership and, and positivity. And he met my mom, uh, who is uh, Dr. Felicia Mabuza Suttle, who is from South Africa. They came over and they met in Minneapolis in the 70s. And my mom worked her way in corporate America, got her MBA, you know, did, did all of those things, you know, that they said you couldn't do. Two babies, raised two babies in school. Um, and the funny thing is, is when Nelson Mandela was on TV after he was released from prison, yeah. we were all sitting in the room and he said, it's all South Africans. I want you to come back and help rebuild the country. And my mom was in tears. And the next day she said to my dad, Hey, I have to go back to my country. Yeah. Um, she went back, packed her bags. Uh, she created the very first TV talk show in South Africa. It was the first time whites and blacks were on TV speaking of, you know, speaking about a, a number of different issues because for African culture, white and black, you don't air your dirty laundry. So this was very taboo. It was kind of, you know, controversial. And she became, you know, the Oprah, her show became kind of a weekly catharsis for the mm. country after, after apartheid. So yeah, that's kind of the, I guess it was kind of um, all in the cards that I got into words and storytelling from, from my parents. I just, yeah, right. I guess we oh, all we never uh, saw it. Were you a child at the time, and where, did you go uh, along mom, with your mom, or did you stay in the States? Or? No, I stayed in the States. My dad actually raised me. I was a junior. I was just going to my junior year, oh. and yeah, my dad raised me. My sister went over like a couple of years later to live in South Africa, but my dad, yeah, he was poor thing, trying to make us uh, dinner macaroni and cheese out the box. Lord. <laughs> Don't know how I survived, but he did a good job. He really did. He probably came you up know? with a few books out of that experience. And... I'm sure he did. <laughs> well, like, so what was it like for you, like, personally? Like, I imagine on one hand it's inspiring, on on the other, you know, family is kind of in two places and doing interesting and perhaps dangerous things, right? It's strange for me. Um, growing up, I thought I was okay with it. I mean, I was a teenager and to not have your mom in the house, how cool is that? Like, <laughs> my dad was so relaxed. I was, you know, out every night, you know, doing teenage stupid stuff. Yeah. It was wonderful. But then it's so funny, like 20 years later, people would say to me, oh my God, that must have been so hard. You know, you didn't have your mom there. And then you start thinking about it and maybe thinking about all those times when you were rebelling. Hmm. And then, you know, oh, maybe those, maybe that was actually the reason why. But I don't know. I mean, I'm still going with the, with the fact that it was really kind of cool being a teenager mm -hmm. <laughs> with no rules. But yeah, I guess that's something that I'm still kind of exploring is not having my mom kind of um, with me in those times. So it'd be like, what, from about 16 to, yeah, early 20s. Yeah, Kind of, coming, in, kind of coming into womanhood. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. She, she did her show for 13 years. Yeah. And I guess I like ask you about like identity. Like you, you moved to Cape Town, right? And like, do you feel a strong draw to South Africa? And you know, it sounds like you really care about like this healing trauma and and impacting the lives of people there. So, 
I do. I feel a huge bond to that, especially because of what my mom started there, you know, the legacy of, of kind of helping people kind of deal with trauma and talking about it and being open and honest with it. Mm. And that's something that's a hundred percent linked to who I am, but it's so funny. I don't really know. I don't, I don't necessarily feel American. I don't feel South African. I kind of, I just feel like me. It's, it's strange. I don't feel that I have an identity. I don't feel like I'm German. I don't feel, it's very strange. It's something that I'm still trying to come to grips with as, and I guess maybe through my writing, it's kind of helping me shape my identity, but I just, what I'm, what I'm actually feel very at home with is I'm like womanhood telling women's stories, telling black stories, especially from a, a, a different point of view, because I didn't grow up in a black neighborhood. Right. I grew up in a very predominantly conservative white neighborhood and telling kind of those stories of dealing with identity in that aspect. But I've never felt, no, I never felt like I belonged ever. I don't know if I still do. Mm. Yeah. Well, I can imagine that's like, that's, that's definitely fuel for, for the fire of creativity, you know, on the one hand and, and, yeah, per, per, and per, you know, like finding out who we are, like, but what does that mean? Yeah. You know, it's like, I'm a screenwriter, but what is that? What, what, what are you? Yeah. Okay. You're a screenwriter, but what? I guess finding connection, right? Maybe. I don't know. Like personally, like how do I empathize with other people and and relate? Yeah, but then we put a label on it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, tell me more. Tell me more about that. Yeah, I want to hear more about that. I, you know, I don't know. I'm, I've just been thinking about that and thinking, um, especially now with activism. Someone said something. I was I was interviewing a young director from South Africa. Um, she just won a screenwriting um, award for a women's festival. Her name is Mabatu. Um, and she was saying, so she was saying, I wrote it down, she said, activism is about the patience um, of teaching people, the constantly repeating yourself until people do understand. People don't wake up in the morning looking to be any kind of activism, activist. Mm -hmm. the, the situation you live in provokes that in you. And mm -hmm. if we are constantly patient with each other and we take each other's hand and walk each other along, there is more progress to be had than if we had this elitist, arrogant, um, you know, attitude mm -hmm. about what we know versus what someone else knows. And it's like, I think about us being a little bit more forgiving of mm -hmm. each other, you know, with these whole labels of like, I'm this and I'm that. And no, you're not, you're not this. It's like, yeah. Yeah. about breaking down those labels to like you said connect connect and forgive each other you know hmm. forgive each other for those labels because we constantly completely you know compartmentalize people and their ideas and their feelings and what they believe in yeah and, and maybe that's part of the pulse pulse of creating that art that will create healing of trauma. Right. 
Yeah, I don't know. Maybe what I've said is total crap, but no. I mean, I I resonate. I'll with listen it. back to it. I'll listen I, back I, to it. I, I think I think about. I've thought about labels for a long time, and then we end up talking to the label and not the person, right? Where people talk to us because we wear a label, but they talk yeah. to the label and not us, and so there's this natural disconnect and. And you know when we when we sing our songs, right? Like there's this just undeniable presence and feeling. You know, you feel somebody's soul if they're connecting to that. And maybe the label doesn't matter then, right? Hopefully not. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> no. Yeah. I, I suppose everybody's experience is subjective, but. but. Given a certain performance, you know, labels can be forgotten and just experience and appreciate what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so <laughs> you're in Germany right now. Is that right? I'm in Berlin, yes. Yeah. And... Like, what's going on in terms of being able to tell stories there? I am not, because I don't speak German so well, I'm not really connected to the storytelling. But, I mean, there are really a lot of um, people that are building a strong community here. Um, if you've ever seen Babylon Berlin, which is an incredible series here, um, Dark on Netflix. I mean, there's a really strong, strong um film community here and with the Berlinale too I mean it's nothing that they can really deny there's a lot of support but um yeah my my <laughs> I don't speak German so my stories um yeah I think hmm. I maybe when I speak German I'll make a little bit more filmmaking um, connections here yeah I mean that that can be isolating as well I suppose right yeah. um <laughs> So what do you, I'm, I'm at a pause because we've just covered a lot of like really kind of deep, <laughs> real stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and that's that's kind of the, like the heart of the journey to have a purpose and a why for doing the work, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and so in doing that work, how, how are you, how are you thinking about success? Like, when are you successful? Oh, that has been a huge, huge um, privilege of having a husband who has had a super successful career already, mm. um, who continually challenges my American ideals of your work is not good enough unless it's successful. I mean, mm. in the music industry, I'm sorry to say, and I'm going to say it proud and loud, the stuff that is, let's say, top top of the pops, top of the charts, is crap music, okay? Yeah. So that is, like, let's just be honest, you know? What's on top is not necessarily, even if it's successful and selling a lot of records, is not good content, does not necessarily mean that. So I have this grounding rock who continually challenges me in every single way when I discuss anything about success in my art. Mm -hmm. And he makes me like, put that away, put it away. It has nothing to do with art. 
So I know we have to pay the bills and, you know, I completely understand that. And we have to, um, you know, make money to make films um, and to tell stories. Yeah. I mean, you could write with a, on the computer, you know, you don't need that much money, mm-hmm. but I am trying in every single way to not attach expectations of any type of success with what I do. Mm-hmm. And it's a challenge because, you know, I'm 44 and I grew up in America mm-hmm. and, you know, having two very, very, um, ambitious parents didn't help, you know, (laughs) the cycle of, of thinking. So it's deep inside of me, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm lucky that I have someone here that's challenging me on that. Yeah. And so is success then the being able to do it as much as you want to? Yeah. It's the luxury to be able to do it. I mean, the luxury to have time to write is is incredible. We know how fast, I mean, COVID has finally slowed everything down, but we know how fast the world is. It's like, you know, ah, I have kids. I have a job, you know, I have a second job, you know, uh, how the heck am I going to pay the bills? Much less have time to sit down and write and tell stories that I want to tell. So it's, it's a luxury. Mm -hmm. It's a real, yeah, it's -hmm. a luxury. So yeah, don't worry about success, right? Put it on the page. (laughs) <laughs> that's that's good advice always right um, and it's that's a hard that's a hard thing to lean into because we all need to be seen right and heard and that's part of what we're addressing and when it's just us on the page we don't get that feedback right yes yes there's a wonderful if you go on if you go on any of my social media um lindy way subtle there's a wonderful group of three women who have created a play also from south africa called we are dying here Mm. and i also interviewed them today um for because i'm taking over the network isa's um social media for a day and she was saying there is no money (laughs) only collaboration because there's really never enough money to create what you want to create. So just collaborate, find like-minded people and collaborate and do it yourself and don't wait for, yeah, just do it. Yeah, just do it. And before, before COVID and all that, right. And we're able to travel. um, how, how, How have you been thinking about community and tribe Hmm. I've well, especially too with this whole explosion of the bandage of on racism that's been fully pulled off in the Black Lives Matter movement. Hmm. I've kind of realized who are people in yeah in my tribe who are authentic people. Hmm. I don't know. COVID has really kind of I think for a lot of people exposed the people around you and their true nature. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. The labels have come off. (laughs) I'm telling you, people are showing themselves and some of it is not really pretty. And I just want to, I think I've realized that my tribe is small. It's, it's really going to be now focused on really actively connecting because I want to work with a lot of women filmmakers is really focusing on finding women filmmakers that I can create the small tribe with. That is what I'm actively going to be doing and what COVID has kind of showed me is that I need to be um, 
a lot more proactive in, in creating these connections with um, like-minded women um, writers and filmmakers. Yeah, and that's because... Well, that is because, you know, you waste your time sometimes spending a lot of time with people you shouldn't be spending your time with. <laughs> mm. And like I said, when you're sitting at home alone and nobody's calling and you kind of realize who your friends are, Yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's just it's that it's that it's just simply because of that awakening of yeah, who's your family? Yeah, so discarding a little more of the should mentality and doing the things we think we need to do. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's you know that's it's not a light journey. You know, it takes a lot of energy and and movement. And so, how do you how do you go about like? creating and generating the energy to create and and create that tribe moving forward how do i keep that momentum like yeah momentum? and generate that energy and capacity to to keep going well i am like that energizer bunny i just <laughs> keep going and going i have endless energy i must say um i don't know i mean we get we yeah, i'm not gonna lie we get into these you know dips of Okay, this is what I love to say, what I've heard. There is no such thing as like constant happiness. It just mm. does not exist. It's a stupid um, ideal to kind of uh, go towards. Success is a stupid ideal kind of because there's dips. Life has anger. It has sadness. It has joy. It has ups and downs. And yeah, it's about just kind of going, going with the flow, just kind of going with that flow. Um, yeah. And when you're feeling down, Hey, that's accepting it and, mm. and forgetting it. saying it's okay, but mm. just keep going. Mm. Yeah. Those sounds like, those sound like lessons that can be kind of integrated into telling stories that heal. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, Lindy, for people who want to learn more about you, how can they do that? I am on Instagram, Lindyway Subtle. I'm sure you'll see my name. And also I'm very vocal on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, that's where you can find me as far as social media. But yeah, look out for my stories. Um, I'll, I'll just be writing and sharing. And um, yeah, you can hear more about me there. Thank you so much for listening and everybody stay safe, be kind to one another and forgive yourselves. Yeah. Mm. This mm. is tough times. Like, yeah. Pat yourself on the back. You're still here. Be fearless. <laughs> be fearless. <laughs> be fearless. Yes. Well, Linda, Way, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much, Ethan. Oh, and one last thing, wear a mask. <laughs> yes it's working in germany i promise it's working working <laughs> oh all right be uh, safe yeah. yeah thank you ethan i hope you've enjoyed today's episode of the fearless storyteller as a reminder any and all links can be found in the show notes and if you're enjoying this podcast will you please consider leaving a review by doing so, you'll be helping new listeners discover the Fearless Storyteller podcast. 